I'm, I'm very glad that you're here with us as we begin a new series, first sermon in a new series that we're calling Wise Words, Lessons from the Proverbs. Uh, you may be someone who uh, already looks to the Bible for wisdom, um, for guidance. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're, you're here looking for something and you're not sure what you think about the Bible, but you're open to, uh, to seeing what it has to say, well, I'm glad that you're here either way. And even if you've never opened up a Bible, you probably know what Proverbs are, a uh, short, memorable saying uh, that gives greater understanding, a deeper insight into how the world, wor- world really works, and therefore helping you understand how to live a better life. And who wants to, who doesn't want to find a better way to live? And that's why there are proverbs in virtually every culture, uh, African proverbs and Chinese proverbs and Arabian proverbs and, and American proverbs. If you think about American proverbs, you think, of course, of Ben Franklin. Haste makes waste. Honesty is the best policy. Uh, here's one I, I, I heard before, but I just remembered looking this up this week. Uh, he that lies down with dogs shall rise up with fleas. That's uh, good to know. Um, Probably has more application than just dogs. You get it, right? Uh, And you remember this one, of course. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm glad you all learned that. Who's getting up early, right? No, no. All right. uh, Now, did, did you notice that is a wise saying about becoming wise? It's wisdom about wisdom. And that's really where the Bible starts. I mean, if you want to, want to get wisdom, we've got to actually start with understanding the significance, the importance, the value of wisdom, that we, we need this. So that, that's where the Bible starts. That's where we're going to start this morning. Beyond this week, we'll look at different topics, different issues, life issues, personal character, relationships, and so on. Today, we're just talking about the value, the source of true wisdom. Here's the, here is the theme for the sermon this morning. Wisdom is good for you, and it is found in God, so get wisdom. That's pretty, pretty simple, right? You think, well, I, I can understand that. I'm good to go. Well, there's more to think about. Now, typically, if you're not part of our, our church regularly, we're, we're working through a paragraph or maybe even a chapter of Scripture, and so it's really important that, that we have, you ha- have your Bible open to that particular page. Um, this is a little bit different. I'm going to be working through a handful of different Proverbs in different places, and to to help you kind of follow that quickly, um, I've got them all printed on the back of the worship folder. They're also going to be on the screen. That might be easy to follow. Now, hear me. The last thing I want to do is discourage you from opening your Bible. I would love to have you open your Bible, and even if you just follow along on the back of the worship folder, um, I hope it encourages you to get into your Bible, get into the Proverbs uh, throughout the, the week. Um, but this, I think, will be helpful. Let's take that uh, opening theme statement again. Wisdom is good for you, and it's found in God, so get wisdom. And we're going to break it down into actually four parts. It looks like three parts. Here's four. And part one is this. Wisdom is good. (laughs) Wow, that's profound, isn't it? Wisdom is good. Well, you need to know that you don't believe this as much as you think right? Wisdom is good. Proverbs 16, 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. 
you're like, all right, that's easy, right? Um, wisdom is really valuable. Uh, got it. Next verse. No, 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 no. We got it. We have to slow down. We got to go deeper. And I think if you think, the more you think about it, the more you realize um, there's, there's stuff here that really challenges us, really pushes us. Uh, see, now, this is a typical move in the book of Proverbs, uh, comparing two things and saying one is better than the other. And where the twist is, where the wisdom, the real insight is, is that what the Proverbs say is better is the one that we would not naturally, instinctively think is the better one. It's, it's counterintuitive. So uh, here, the, what's better is not silver and gold, it's wisdom. Now, uh, you probably don't expect to find much wisdom on an electronic sign on the, by the side of the highway in a construction zone, but I, I got some wisdom that way in the, less than two weeks ago. I was driving, it was either Illinois, Wisconsin, along the highway. There it is, the sign, construction zone, electronic sign. Better late than never, slow down, right? Now, I don't know if you realize that, that's a proverb, better late than never. It's comparing something, just like this proverb is doing. Some driver who's going too fast is thinking, I don't want to be late. I can't be late. I got to get to work on time or I'll lose my job. I got to get to the grocery store before they close to get what I really, really need. And being late, bad, don't want to do it. That's why they're speeding. And enter the wisdom of the electronic sign. Better late than never. Think about it. What's, what's better, to show up late or show up not at all? Or maybe to put it even more starkly, what's worse, to be late or to be dead? Right? That's exactly what the, that proverb is saying. And just to make, the application, make sure the application is clear, they said, better late than never, slow down. They don't want you pondering a proverb. Just, just slow down. Now, think about this biblical proverb uh, a little more carefully. We realize that we're talking about value, why are gold and silver valuable to us? Well, historically, you know, these, are, uh, these metals are beautiful and, and uh, they're rare, so we call them precious metals. They're durable, so they're often used in jewelry, but, but even more as currency, right? That all those factors make it useful as currency. And today we use different forms of currency. Most of us are not carrying around gold and silver in our pockets or pocketbooks, uh, but, but the same reason gold and silver are valuable to us in terms of money, because with, we think, well, if I get money, if I could get more money, if I could get just a little more, if I could get a lot more, whew, that would be good. Because, I mean, with more money, I could get, we could get stuff. We could get nice stuff. We can get new stuff. We could get uh, shiny stuff. We could get the latest stuff. We get lots of stuff. And we could not only get stuff, we could do stuff. We could go out to eat. We could go to the, to the NFL game. We could, we could take a cruise. We could travel the world oh, with lots of money. We could get stuff. We could do stuff. And, and when we get stuff and we do stuff, boy, don't we, don't we feel, we don't, we don't just feel like we're better off. We feel like we're better. We're better than everybody else, right? That, that all, all those things that we like to think that silver and gold, money's going to do for us. Maybe your situation, though, is a little bit different. You think, huh, I, I'm, not just, I'm not looking to get rich. I would just love to, a little more silver and gold. Maybe I, could, maybe I could pay off these bills. Maybe I could not worry about how to 
manage college for my kids. Maybe I could, I could go into retirement without fearing it's going to run out. Uh, yeah, gold and silver, boy, that would just take away all my worries, all my fears. But the proverb says, better, wisdom is better than gold and silver. How much better? And notice, on the, on the proverb, on the verse, and it's, if you could just go ahead and leave the, leave the slide up the whole time I'm on the point, okay? Um, how much better to get wisdom than gold? That's not a question. How, how much better? No. Exclamation. How much better is wisdom than gold? It's so much better than you and I realize. In fact, this says, if given the choice, the second line, given the choice whether to get rich or to get wise, you should choose to get wisdom, to get understanding. To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Now, you can tell me that you read the, this proverb a few minutes ago and you, oh yeah, I understand it. Wisdom, understanding, really, really valuable. You can tell me you understand what the proverb is saying, but if I set a million dollars in front of you and wisdom, I don't know what that would look like, but if I set that in front of you and you had to choose, it'd be pretty hard to choose, right? Because, because all of us can easily imagine we can easily imagine all the things we could do with a million dollars. We could, we could, we could, it's so easy for us to believe life would be better with all that money. The wisdom here is saying, uh, slow down. Think about it. Let me tell you something that you don't. Let me, let me adjust your thinking better. How much better is wisdom than gold? And to get understanding, to be chosen rather than silver. Wisdom is better. You can say, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, it's, 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 we don't even know what it would look like. I, I can't, I can, I can see, I can just, I can picture that money, right? I can't, I don't even, I can't picture what wisdom is or what it would do for me. And we demonstrate that that's our belief by the way that we choose and chase after silver and gold day after day. This problem, this proverb claims wisdom and understanding are more valuable because of what they can do for you. And that takes us to our next point. Wisdom is good for you. Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. I love hearing some of you turning your Bible. That's great. Proverbs 13, 14. You went from Proverbs 16, 16 to Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Like I said just a moment ago, it's easy to imagine what we could get, what we could do with gold and silver that would seem to make your life better. Harder to imagine what you get with wisdom. But this proverb wants to make it very clear. Wisdom makes the difference between life and death. You need wisdom like you need water. That's in the image of the first line. Water in the terms of the fountain. But before that, just think, think about the necessity of water. Water is necessary, absolutely necessary for life. When scientists at NASA are looking at a, at a planet, they're, they're, one of the things they're looking for is water. No water, no life. You, you could survive for many days without food. You will not survive long without water. Now picture that fountain. 
a, a place where water is constantly flowing, surging, uh, plentiful, fresh, and, and refreshing to you. Think of whether it's something where you can drink or something that's decorative or, or even like a splash pad where kids like to play. And this proverb wants us to think this way about the teaching of the wise. Now, that phrase could be taken a couple of ways. Is it, is it the teaching that comes from wise teachers or is it the teaching which wise people pay attention to? Well, it might be either, but, but the, this wisdom is an abundant supply of what you need to thrive. And we'll talk more about what that means in a moment, but contrast that image, a fountain of life, with the image in the second line, the snares of death. Snare is, of course, a, a trap, something that, that grabs you, that ca- catches you, takes hold of you, uh, has a grip on you. You can't escape, you can't get away, and eventually, I mean, it's, it's doing that because it's, it's going to kill you. I don't think it's incidental that the word in the Proverbs is, is snares, as in the plural. There are all kinds of traps, pitfalls, uh, unseen dangers in our world that the unsuspecting, the undiscerning person walks right into, to their death. Life and death. That's, what it's, that's what's at stake in whether or not you get wisdom. You're like, well, okay, but I mean, it's not talking about literal life and death, right? right? I, mean, it's, uh, I mean, sure, I'm sure I could use a lot more wisdom, but I, I am alive. I've been living, you know, in my own way. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's worked more or less. Well, think about what this is saying. It, it, you could read this in a more a metaphorical way. Um, wisdom is more invigorating and refreshing, and, and uh, to not have wisdom is, you know, stifling or suffocating or something like that. You, maybe it's just about the quality of life. Well, I think it is about the quality of life, the kind of life you live, but it is more than that. It is about real life and death. Now, how many of you know the experience, the feeling, even though, yes, you are alive, but to feel lifeless even when you were alive? To feel, or feel trapped by something that seemed to be strangling you, whether that's debt or drugs or porn or something less sinister, just the anxiety that comes with overuse of social media. It's, it's the things that give you life or take it away from you. That's not just a metaphor. That's, that's really real. Uh, and, and as we'll see in the coming weeks, as you follow the wisdom of the Bible, that it will transform your personal character and strengthen your relationships. It will bring discipline to how you handle your money and, and so on. There is a fountain of life here, and we're just getting a, a few gulps of wisdom uh, from a handful of Proverbs this morning, uh, there, but there's everything in this book that you need to thrive. There's a fountain of life here. Now, think about, though, the traps that you would avoid if you took this wisdom seriously. Uh, some of you know the book of Proverbs well. Think about all the the wisdom here to help you avoid traps, not being enamored by your own ego, not chasing every good-looking person that catches your eye, not, not uh, medicating your pain with alcohol. We won't cover all those topics in this series, but it's all here. It's in the book. And you need to know that ignoring wisdom leads to death. 
metaphorically and literally. Our second son now is in driver's training. Andrew's, it's the same thing we're stressing with him. If you listen to the wisdom that your instructor gives you, that your parents give you, driving can mean freedom and enjoyment and adventure, life. Ignoring that wisdom can lead to tragedy, injury, pain, and yes, literally, death. Many people tell themselves in our day and age, I should be able to do whatever I want and still be happy and healthy in the end. But here's the hard reality. Some choices, some decisions, actions, and attitudes lead to death and others lead to life. Listen carefully to this wisdom. Come again to the fountain of life so that you will avoid the traps, that, as this verse says, that you will turn away, turn away from the snares of death. You won't stumble into these traps when you are following the wisdom of God's word. If this proverb about life and death tells us about where wisdom ends, the next one we're going to look at tells us where wisdom begins. This is part three. Wisdom is found in God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, when I say in, in the outline there that wisdom is found in God, I'm saying more than just wisdom comes from God, although that is true. In fact, Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So yes, if you want true wisdom, go to God. If you want knowledge and understanding, listen to what God has to say. But Proverbs 9.10, the verse we're focusing on here, uh, is getting at something a little different. Now see how the two lines of this proverb are in parallel. Uh, wisdom and insight are basically the same thing. They're at the end. Uh, the Lord and the Holy One, of course, both refer to God. And fear and knowledge both describe a person's awareness or attitude toward God. And these two lines are not saying separate things. They're, they're really saying uh, as if, well, if you want wisdom, you need to fear the Lord. But if you want insight, that's something different. You, want the knowledge, you need the knowledge of the Holy One. No, it's not saying two different things. It's saying the, really the same thing in two different ways or or really saying, coming at the same issue, the same concern, the same need from slightly different angles to give us a bigger picture. I, I've described this before uh, about the Proverbs. It's, it's kind of the same way that, that God made you and I with two eyes and two ears. Now, your, your grandma might have said that's because you're supposed to talk half as much as you listen, which is wise, not in the Bible. And it's also not exactly why God gave you two eyes and two ears. But, you know, God gave you two eyes Partly for, so that you, as you see the same thing from slightly different angles, you have depth perception, right? And you hear, not just because stereo is really cool, but so that you can understand your surroundings and obviously contributes also to your balance, which is also in your ears. So you've got the, the reason why we need these slightly different angles on the same issue is to get a fuller, better, clearer, sharper picture tell, telling, telling us where we are and where we ought to be. So that's what we have right here. 
How do these two lines go together to give us a fuller understanding? Well, the knowledge of the Holy One is a little easier to grasp, so I'm going to start there. Fear of the Lord. We're like, what, what does that mean? Um, the knowledge of the Holy One. Knowing in the Bible is never just the idea of information in, your, in, the, in the memory circuits of your brain. It's, it's not what it's about. It's, it's deeper than that. It's richer than that. It's about, it comes from being in a relationship, knowing someone. And you can see the depth and the intimacy of the relationship that is, that is implied by the fact that it, throughout the Bible and, and understood in the, in the ancient uh, Hebrew context and the way they, they spoke and thought, uh, when, a, when a husband and wife had sexual relations, it would be described as he knew, the husband knew his wife. Now, instead of, instead of what we, we, we do that with like, well, they slept together and we, you know, we know what we mean by that. Um, well, they would say, well, he, he knew his wife and well, you know what they meant. Now, don't, don't try to read that backwards and into this context and say, oh, we're like, we're supposed to have that kind of relationship with God. There, there is the, what the point is, the kind of depth and intimacy, and deep personal knowing, and even from a human standpoint, vulnerability that we have before God of complete knowing is, should be in this relationship we have with God. And it's, it's the knowledge of the Holy One. Now, I hope you don't think of Holy, as the way it's commonly used today, holy like, you know, somebody's really religious in a hypocritical or self-righteous kind of way. Oh, they're holy. No, the holy in the Bible, holy what it originally means, what it, what it means, it's, it's something of an umbrella term when it's described, uh, uh, when it's talking about God, saying that he is complete and perfect and pure in every aspect of his being. Every dimension of his character is complete, perfect, good. And so when, when you think of God in that, when you understand that he is so good, so perfect, that he is set apart from all the rest, he is above and beyond us, he is in a class by himself, and which leads us then, should lead us then, to worship. When we know the Lord as holy, it should lead us to worship, because we see him in all his greatness and grandeur, we see where we fit in respect to him, who we are in relationship to who he is. For all the ways that we are small and weak, he is great and mighty. For all the ways that we are fickle and corrupt, he is faithful and true. All of this leads to worship. God is so good that it is stunning. So good, that, that so great that, that it is in some ways a little intimidating, and yet utterly fascinating. We're, we're both, don't know whether we should back up or, or go further in. That's what it means for him to be holy. And so the question is, do you know him? Not, a, not about him. Do you know this holy one? Now, I think if we, as we talk about it like that, we're, we're already well on our way to understanding what it means to fear the Lord and the way that the Bible speaks of the fear of the Lord. One scholar tried to capture it this way. It is the fear of the Lord is a worshiping submission. A worshiping submission, not, not a groveling, but, but surrendering your life to his. It's a worshiping surrender of your life to his. 
And to, to get that from another angle, uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was a, a famous uh, English pastor in the 1800s, who is always quotable, and so I will quote him here. Um, here. Here's his description of the fear of the Lord in a way that is not just being, like, scared of God. No, 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 you're not getting it. Here's, here's how he describes it. Gazing upon the vast expanse of waters, looking up at the innumerable stars, examining the wing of an insect, and seeing there the matchless skill of God displayed in the minute. Or standing in a thunderstorm, watching as best you can the flashes of lightning and listening to the thunder of the voice of the Lord. Have you not often shrunk into yourself and said, great God, how terrifying you are. Not afraid, but full of delight like a child who rejoices to see his father's wealth, his father's wisdom, his father's power, happy and at home, but feeling oh so little. Happy and at home, safe, but oh so little in our father's presence. That's the healthy, a healthy under, and right understanding of the fear of the Lord. That's, that's this worshiping submission. It's more than merely bowing before God as your Lord and King, but in every way submitting your life to His ways and His purposes, which are good and are good for you. Does that sound familiar? It's wisdom. So if you're, if you're on the other hand, if you're ignorant of God and ambivalent toward Him, you will be fundamentally ignorant and clueless about the world that he made that he made you to live in. If you, if you have disregard and disrespect for God, you will be in danger as you lurch or even lunge into all kinds of foolishness that are on the way to death. It doesn't mean that Christian people are automatically smarter, please, no. Uh, but it does mean that a simple, ordinary person who listens to God and pays attention to his word, bowing in worship, will operate with a greater wisdom, walking the path to life. So, part four, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Proverbs twelve fifteen. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, in some sense, the, the last verse we looked at, Proverbs 9, 10, is kind of that, man, that's taking us all the way to God, taking us to the Holy One. Whew, that's the big one. But I'm, I'm, I'm ending here because it really presses us to, like, okay, who am I? Where am I at? Which, which person am I and, and am I listening? So remember how the the lines in the proverb that we looked at before, 9 verse 10, uh, how they saw the same thing in slightly different ways to give us a better, better picture. Many other proverbs work like this one that we're looking at. Two lines are opposite, presenting a stark contrast. Second line starts with, but, uh, the way the fool is right in his own eyes, but instead, rather, on the other hand, completely different, the wise man listens to advice. And, and of course, that's just another way, a different strategy to help us get a clearer picture of what's going on. Now, sometimes it might, you read this and it seems too simplistic, right? Proverbs are like just, everything is either or, life or death, what, you know, wise or fool. I mean, you know, 
Do we have to categorize everybody in, in one of two ways? I mean, maybe, maybe somebody's, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty wise or somebody's a little foolish. Uh, but sometimes, folks, we need it in stark terms. We need, it, we need to see the issues, the questions, the choices in black and white. We, we need to see them in, in are you going to be wise? Are you going to be a fool? Are you going to pursue life? Are you going to go the way of death? So the fool and the wise man are, are easy to see as opposites in this verse, uh, just like right in his own eyes and listens to advice. So again, slow down and think. Why does one go with being a fool and the other go with being wise? The person who thinks they already know it all doesn't need to listen probably won't listen, will, will resist listening to anyone else. And so, because of that, they are, that person is limited to the, to the scope of what they already know, what they already believe, the, all the prejudices and the things that, will, uh, that, that their culture assumes and, and the conventional wisdom, uh, and th- that's where they're stuck. They're, ne- they're never going to go any farther than that. That is a fool. And even though uh, that person might be starting a new chapter of life, which in some ways just about all of us are, uh, if not right now, very soon, you, you know, you're, you're either uh, starting high school or, or beginning college, maybe you're starting a new job, or, or you're, you're getting married, or you're having kids, or you're getting rid of the kids, and you're becoming empty nesters, or you're getting on the verge of retirement, or, or you're starting to, to, to move into a, a more older stage that is kind of limiting what you can do. We're all kind of walking into a new chapter of life in, in one way or another. And you might think, well, I've, I've got it figured out. I, I know what to do. I'm doing it right. Everybody just back off. Or worse, God, I, I, don't, I don't need to hear you. I don't need to listen to you. That's why that person is a fool. That's why they are headed for disaster. On the other hand, the person who listens to advice says, I've got a lot to learn. I mean, I, I know I don't know it all. Uh, there's a lot I don't know. Not, not just information. I don't know skills for, for navigating this part of my life. I, I, I don't know. Um, I certainly don't know the future. Who of us knows the future? And so you think, I, I need to learn from, from other people. Start there. It, it's good, young people, think, okay, your, your parents, your grandparents may not be able to tell you anything about TikTok, but they might, they probably have something to tell you about getting and holding a job or raising a family. There's wisdom for you. The Bible may not seem to say anything about pandemics or politics, but it does have a lot to say. It does have things to say about that. It has a lot to say about living in a messed up world. It has something to say about finding the way to life in God. This proverb forces us to ask, so where do I, where do I fall? Am I, am I a wise person or am I a fool? Am I operating as a fool or am I operating, am I seeking, am, am I listening as someone who is wise? What did Forrest Gump's mama always tell him? Not, not the thing about the box of chocolates. I'm thinking about stupid is as stupid does. That's not, as, not in the Bible, and it's actually not 
originating from the movie. It's a, actually an old saying, stupid is as stupid does, which uh, is really getting at this. You, th- you think you're stupid? Somebody calls you, says, labels you as stupid? It's like, hey, you're only as stupid as your actions, as your behavior. So, in- implied, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't, don't, don't act stupid because somebody tells you you're stupid. Don't, don't think that I'm, well, I guess, I'm, I guess I have to go that way because I'm, I'm an idiot. No, you're only as stupid as you act, as you behave, as you believe. So, get the, the word here for you, not, again, from Forrest Gump, is not to just go on in your folly, but to see someone who stops, who turns, who listens, who seeks wisdom, and ultimately who seeks God. And that is the way to wisdom. It's a way to life. Pursue a relationship of worshiping submission to God. Not a life of religious performance. Not, uh, don't, don't hear me saying this morning, and as we go through this series, well, be good and go to heaven. Yes, that's the kind of religiosity that, that frankly, does not come from the Bible. But, but trust and obey. Trust being the, the important thing to be out in front. Faith coming to God and relying on Him, relying, yes, on His wisdom, relying on what He knows, what He says about you, what He says about you when He says, um, your need is not just a need for more information or even more life skill, but you need to be, you need to be with me. And to be with me, you need to be forgiven. To be forgiven, all you got to do is come to me and seek me and ask me and surrender. Just lay that before me and I'll take it away. I'll take that away and throw it away because of what Christ has done for you, what Jesus did for you in dying on the cross, making a payment for your sin. And when we, when we trust him like that, of course, trust and obey. O- obedience, a life of worshiping, submission is going to follow naturally right out of that, not just because you read a book, but, but because you know the Holy One, because you fear the Lord. That's where it starts. The good news is when we start with faith and we seek the Lord, we find the wisdom out of his mercy and grace. He not only brings us to himself, but with him we find life. We'll talk a lot more about that in this series as we go forward. But if that's, uh, that's the, the path you want to get on today, if that's the relationship with God that you want to start today, I would love to talk to you more after the service about that. And we'd love to, to walk that journey with you together as a church. Would you pray with me? Father, we come, and I pray that, that as we, even in this moment, as we bow our heads we would recognize how much we need you. Maybe there are some here that, that are feeling that because they, they know very painfully some of the unwise choices, decisions they've made, actions they've taken. And Lord, I pray that in this moment as we lay all of our needs before you, not just our deficiencies, but our failures, and we we just set them before you again, God, that you would, as we trust you, forgive us, 
make us clean, make us whole, make us yours. And God, together then in, in faith and in joy and with a, uh, a strange kind of joy that comes in fearing you in, in all your awesome majesty and your perfect goodness and yet as a loving and gracious father, would you take us with you into life, life here and now and life forever? Do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.